Well, morning, everyone, and thanks, worship team. Um, man, what, a, what an immense privilege to be able to worship God, and isn't it, um, aren't you just so grateful that you're in a church um, led by, um, well, led in worship by a team that just work away from themselves and lift the name of Jesus. Anybody grateful for that this morning? Hey, it just, um, so thanks, Mark, thanks, La, and um, church, I know we've been in a, um, prayer series, which has been really, really powerful, and uh, I know Roger and Vonnie, um, this church has really been built on prayer. Um, I must have spent thousands of hours in prayer with you guys in prayer meetings, before church services, before staff meetings. Every day, um, there was a season where every day we would pray together as a staff and uh, pray for our schools, pray for our city, pray for you, um, and I know that's been um, an extremely powerful and enlightening a series, and Roger, I loved your story. I always love your stories, um, but I particularly love the story about you on the bicycle, um, for those who were here last week. Um, but just incredible to see what God is doing in and through the life of this church. And um, I know that the word for this year, uh, for those who've kind of been around since January, is the word speak, uh, which is a prophetic declaration over this particular church. And I have had the immense privilege of watching Hilton Jin wrestle over, God, what are you saying? What are you saying for our church? What are you saying with a word in season? Um, and for those who know Hilt, he has this incredible, creative, prophetic edge to him. Um, if you've ever been at a baptism with him, um, I'm always blown away. I probably shouldn't be because I've seen it for so many years, but always blown away by the way that God uses him prophetically and often through colors and pictures and styles and branding. And so I've watched him over the years wrestle. And for Jin, um, it's amazing to watch her, her reverence to God, this holy fear to go, God, like really, we don't just want a word, we want your word. What are you saying, God? What is the specific word? Often when we would have our Sunday kind of um, debrief meetings, her question would always be the same thing. Was God pleased? Was God pleased with what we were doing today? And so I watched them for months wrestling over, God, what are you saying? Is it this? What is the specific word for us? And so when they land on the word speak, I really want to encourage you that there's been an immense amount of prayer and wrestling to get us to this, uh, to this point of speak and um, I guess the question then has to be asked from all of us, from myself, from you, is God, what are you saying to me this year in this church about speak? How do you want to speak to me? How do you want to speak through me? What do you want me to speak up for? What do you want me to speak up against? How are you going to use me to speak and declare the things, God, that you are placing in my heart? And the kind of key verse, although they, I think there are two, um, but the key verse uh, that caught my attention on Vision Sunday was 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. And I've kind of just taken the middle bit that says this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is is listening. And I'd really love to unpack that just a little today. I think God wants to speak to us. But if you wouldn't mind for a moment, I'm going to pray and just ask God, Father, thank you that you would speak. That today, God, our declaration is that speak to me, your servant, for I am listening. And Holy Spirit, I know that the work only you can do would be so significant, so powerful, so life-changing, so transformational that in a moment you can turn a life around, in a moment you can set us free, in a moment you can bring healing and deliverance. And so that is our prayer today, God 
that you would do whatever you desire to do in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For those of you that know um, our family, we have three, three kids, six, four, and two. Um, and so anybody in the toddler uh, era um, kind of can immediately sympathize with six, four, and two. Um, but in particular, our kids are loud. And I know all toddlers are loud, but like just for some context, our kids are, um, have a direct Italian bloodline. Um, and so they like Loud, loud, okay? So kind of to give some context to that, um, have you ever gotten in the car in the morning and turned on the car and the radio was on from the night before when you came home thinking it was a party? And it, that's how our kids are 24-7. <laughs> our middle kid, Roman, at this stage has never learned to whisper. Like we, we Romy, he just, ne- he just, there's no whisper volume on, they are just loud. You will hear them before you see them. They really um, are passionate, and there's a lot of energy. And just this last weekend, um, we went away actually with Lauren and Craig, and um, there was a particular moment where my wife and I like looked at their sweet little petite daughter, Kate, sitting, playing quietly and peacefully on her own. <laughs> Tony and I are like, I think there's something wrong with her. <laughs> La, is she okay? Like... We have never seen this kind of behavior in our lives. Like our kids, sometimes they will be speaking all at the same time, like and their volume. Anybody, any parents in the room and it's just like, and you're just like, you actually don't even know what's going on. You're just looking around like this. And there's been many moments where I've just looked at Tony and I've just been like, I, saw, I, I just, I can't hear you. I'm sorry, I just, I, I know you're speaking, I know we should be, I just, I can't hear you, and um, what my wife's been doing over the last couple of months is, um, she'd just be walking around the house going, shh, shh, like sometimes not even towards any of our kids, just in general, like she's like so overstimulated by all the, that it's just like, shh, 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 and at one moment, um, we were chatting um, in the kitchen and the kids were up to their kind of normal shenanigans and Tony just looks at me with this glaze and she just goes, shh. I'm like, me? You don't, I, I'm a shh. She's like, yeah, it's just all too much. Now I tried once to say that back to her. Shh. Friends, I can't tell you how loud it got. (laughs) But there there have been times where I have like sincerely thought about getting a decibel meter in our home just to read the noise pollution. And um, just as a matter of interest, there's four kinds of noise pollution that go on. The first would be a continuous noise which is kind of like a weed eater. Do you know when you're just like, you're trying to concentrate, but there's like Okay, that's kind of the continuous noise. Then there's an intermittent noise. That's more like a train that would come by. You kind of expect it, but when it comes, there's a lot of noise that goes on. And then there's kind of more the impulsive um, noise, which is kind of a big bang. It's like when you get a fright. Um, and, And the last would be a low frequency noise. Have you ever been like in a room and you just hear, 
You're like, can anybody, like, can anybody else hear that? Some of you think your spouse is like that noise, you know? But there's all these different kinds of noises, this continuous, intermittent, impulsive, low-frequency noise. And I guess the question I'm trying to get to today is, I wonder if there's a spiritual noise pollution in our lives. Like this continuous, intermittent, impulsive, low-frequency noise in our worlds. Phones and social media and Netflix and busy calendars and to-do lists and entertaining and strife and money and greed and put whatever word you want, but it's just a lot of noise. And if we wheel back round to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9, the scripture we're unpacking today, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, I guess the question would be, are we? Are we listening? Or is there too much noise in our lives? Like, is our soul so crowded out by the busyness and the hustle? And can we even hear what heaven is saying to us? I wonder today, church, whether God himself is going, shh, shh, shh. And you're going, me? You go, yeah. If you truly want to hear me, you need to learn what it is to shh. And so with no fancy title, but simply to say the title for today is shh. Very popular and well-known verse on silence or stillness or being quiet is found in Psalm 46 verse 10. Many of you know it. It says this, be still and know that I am God. And when many of us read this, I think we have this kind of peaceful, tranquil feeling about this verse. Like many of us have it imprinted on our teacups or our bookmarks, because it just, be still and know that I am God. But friends, this is not how this verse is read or to be interpreted. In fact, one commentator says it like this, be still is not in the first place comfort for the harassed, but a rebuke to a restless and turbulent world. Quiet. So when you read, be still, it translates much more like God is saying, shh, shh. All of heaven wants our attention, but we must learn what it truly means to be still. Another commentator says it like this. In this setting, be still and know that I am God is not advice to us to lead a contemplative life, however important that may be. It means rather lay down your arms, surrender, and acknowledge that I am the one and only victorious God. Be still is a lot less about calmness as it is about surrender. Stillness that God is looking for, friend, from you and me, will lead us to a true life of surrender. And to push this point further, we'll go to another teacup bookmark scripture in Psalms, Psalm 23. You can go back 23 verses in your Bible and you will read another very popular Psalm. Psalm 23 verse one, it starts like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Interesting way for God to open up one of the most famous verses in the Bible. 
He says, if truly I am your shepherd, you will truly want for nothing. You will lack nothing. It's this like chasm that creates tension in all of us. And I think for many of us in this place today, we lack a lot on the inside. We lack peace. There's all this longing and desire and jealousy and yearning and discontentment. And God goes, truly, if I am to be your shepherd, if you truly understand me as your shepherd, as your Lord, you will lack nothing. The next verse goes on to say this. So the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Notice this. The very first opportunity, once we've made God our Lord and our shepherd, the very first thing that God wants to do with you and I is make you lie down. He wants you to stop. You know the hustle? You know the drive? You know the strife? You know the relentless race that all of us are on? God goes, the very first thing I'll do with you is not use you, is make you lie down. In today's words, it would be sit down, be humble. Just stop. Just stop the hustle. Stop even the Christian hustle. And so God, with his first opportunity in Psalm 23, he says, I'll make you lie down in green, in green pastures. The verse goes on and says, he leads me besides quiet waters. Now, for those of you that know well, we should all know rivers. If you don't, go back to grade four geography. But for those of us that know rivers, a turbulent river doesn't produce what quiet waters does. Quiet waters gives us the opportunity, and this is what the psalmist is trying to show us here, gives us the opportunity to have reflection, to have our image reflected back to us. So what does God do? He says, truly, if I am your Lord, if I am your shepherd, then I'll, I'll make you lie down and then I'll take you to a place where you can see yourself, where you can see your true reflection. I'll slow you down enough. I'll quieten your soul enough so that I can have an engaging, robust conversation with you about who you are and that I have the ability then in those quiet waters, in that still place, to be, able, to be able to engage with who you are and who I am. The reason that God leads us to quiet waters is so that we can look face to face like you, do, like you would in a mirror. And let me say this to you, friends. Before God will speak through you, he wants to speak to you. And he can only change what you're willing to face. Many of us, we don't want to deal with ourselves. We don't want to deal with ourselves. We want to deal with others. We want to deal with situations. We want to deal with circumstance. But we got to be willing to deal with ourselves, to allow God to deal with us, to take us to the quiet waters. The call, the destiny, the purpose, friend, will be limited or propelled by how willing you are to look in the mirror. How willing you are to allow the good shepherd to lead you to quiet waters and go, okay, God, we can have a full go here. 
You know the 1 Samuel 3 verse 9 that we're unpacking today? It says this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It doesn't say, speak, Lord, for I am listening. It says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The wrestle for you and I on this side of eternity will always be who's the master, will always be who sits on the throne, will always be who's the Lord of our life. And so when God takes you to that quiet water and you start to see your ego and you start to see your pride and you start to see the stuff that's inside of your heart, that's where God can start to work and you and I then have the opportunity to decide, am I a servant of God or am I the master of my life? Who's in charge? You see, for many of us, we don't want to be followers of Jesus. We want Jesus to be a follower of us. We want to say, God, can you just come to this meeting with me? God, I'm, I'm really just praying that I get this opportunity or this business. Can you just make a way? We want God to follow our plans. And God goes, truly, when I lead you to quiet waters, and there's a reflection of who you are, and there's a reflection of who he is, then there's a transformation process. And then God cannot just speak to you, but he will begin to speak through you. The last verse that I want to read from Psalm 23 says this. We'll read the whole thing just over once. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. And then it says this, He refreshes my soul. So, so, so when we sit in silence, when He makes us lie down, when we sit in silence, when our soul finds solitude and finds His presence, when we sit and reflect our soul, will be refreshed. I take a guess here because I wouldn't know the state of anyone's soul. That's God's job. But my guess would be today, friends, that many souls are not sitting refreshed today. I don't say that as an accusational statement, but just really as a where do you sit? I think for many, your souls feel harassed, they feel in turmoil and turbulent. I don't think that if we had a window into our souls, for many of us, that there would be health and refreshing. And yet God says, I'm the Lord. When you truly make the Lord your shepherd, the fruit of that, the fruit of making the Lord your shepherd is that you will walk around with a refreshed soul. Now, I think for many of us, we're sitting here today, and um, I took a walk just this last week at Camp Orchards, for those of you that know the venue just up the road here, and uh, messaged my wife and said, hey, I'm just going to take some time in silence, and um, I'm going to turn my phone off, so don't worry for the next little bit. I'm going to just head off into kind of the path and go and just spend some time with Jesus, and part of that was for me, and part of that was for you, and uh, what I didn't realize, friends is how muddy and murky that path is going to be. I went out with my, my white socks, and praise God, I didn't have my white shoes on. And, but I went out, and by the time I came back, I had my shorts rolled up to here, and I had mud all over. And as I'm walking through the space, I feel like God speak to me for you. Let's go, this is the condition of many souls. 
Just this muddy, murky, sloshy, messy space where many people are carrying pain and heartache and hurt and offense and jealousy and anger and hatred. Many of us have had this like bombardment of our soul where things like fear and doubt and insecurities are finding themselves festering at the top. You know, the scriptures say, what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And so God says, truly, if I am your shepherd, I am after a healthy, refreshing soul. And so we gotta be after that too. And I believe that God has given us a little glimpse into this today. And so my question to you, friend, would be this. When was the last time you let the good shepherd make you lie down and lead you beside quiet waters? Because when he does, when you allow him to be the good shepherd, your soul will find refreshing. And as soon as you and I try and do it in other ways and find you know, other things to benefit us, it will be temporary. But a healthy, whole, refreshing soul is found when we are made to lie down and be by quiet waters. The thing about silence, though, friends, is that it's pretty terrifying. And it's pretty painful. Most of us avoid silence like the plague. Silence evokes all these emotions and these feelings like loneliness and emptiness and brings out all these insecurities and fears that come up to the surface. And much of society does everything they can to avoid silence. Think about most people's days. We'll start at the evening. In the evening, you're kind of watching something and then you watch another episode and then you kind of just watch one more episode and then you know you really know you should go to bed and so you go to bed but you just grab your phone and you're scrolling through Instagram and then you, I feel a little bit guilty but I'll put my phone down I'll pick it up one more time because I haven't checked Facebook and oh yeah, I've got to message that person back to WhatsApp. Okay, let me watch one more episode again and so you watch one more episode and just before you go to bed, you're exhausted now, you just pick up your phone and check it one last time. Then you go to bed, you wake up on your alarm except you snooze three times because you're so exhausted from the night before but you get up and you you go back to the same stupid device and you check the emails and you check the social media and you check, and once you've kind of had your shower, you put some music on um, because, dear God, we can't have silence in our house. And so the kettle goes and you make your coffee and you do your breakfast, you jump into the car, you turn the radio on, you get to work and there's hustle and there's bustle. Most of us are working right through lunch. If we are taking a break, we're normally watching something or listening to something and then we get in the car and we drive home and the radio goes on or a podcast goes on and then we know that we should go for a run so we put on our shoes and we put our AirPods in and we go off but we're listening to a podcast or some music and we come back and we turn on the TV even if it's just background news, uh, news uh, or noise just, you know, so there's some kind of sound in our house and then while it's on there we eat our food and we finish kind of eating our food and then we're going to binge watch quickly two or three episodes um, because we really have to and then we grab our phones and we check everything and it's it's crazy it's mental that we've allowed this much noise into our lives do you know they did a study on college students to see what their relationship is with silence 580 college students every single one of them recorded what is called sitter 
to phobia, the fear of silence. Every single one of the 580 came back with sedatophobia, the fear of silence. We'll do whatever we can to avoid silence. The good news is, friends, is that this is learned behavior, which means you can unlearn it. Thank God we can unlearn this behavior because we need to. The practice of silence and solitude are deeply spiritual practices in our Christian faith. If you look at Jesus, he made repeated practice of silence and solitude. Comments like this are found throughout the scriptures. He withdrew, he retreated to be alone, to be by himself in isolated places in prayer. And, and somehow, because we know this, to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. It's not a church attendee, it's not a Christian, it's not a code of conduct. It's to be a follower of Jesus. This is one of the easiest things to look at how Jesus did and just follow it. And yet for many of us, we haven't applied this basic practice of Christianity. Jesus, often silence and solitude. And the enemy knows, the enemy knows that if he can get you and I so hustle bustle, so noisy, so distracted, that our souls, that our souls will become weary and burdened and broken and a weary, burdened, broken soul is no good to you, no good to your family, no good to your business and certainly no good to the move of God across this world. So we must find a way. Really, we must find a way to apply the practices of silence and solitude. Some of my most intimate, personal, connected times with Jesus over the last couple of years have come sitting on the floor next to the cot of one of my kids who I couldn't get to sleep, we couldn't get to sleep, and so I ended up spending an hour or two with my hand on their back, sitting in darkness, no phone, no distraction, in silence, connecting with Jesus. I think we underestimate how powerful the space is. And I wanna challenge you, it doesn't matter how awkward, it doesn't matter how hard, it doesn't matter how unnatural it feels to pursue silence and solitude in our faith, we must do it. And to emphasize this point, I've got a friend who shares a short message around this. Check it out.
when you spend your time in silence, your words, your actions have more power and carry more authority. And that is my story. Powerful illustration of how powerful silence is and the gift of silence, one of the many gifts, is that we find the voice of God. And just this last week, it's actually the reason, sorry, two weeks ago, it's the reason that stirred this thought in this sermon is um, my little two-year-old, Orlando, um, is at school now and they do, every year, they'll do a whole bunch of tests and, um, you know, they check their ears and eyes and whatever. And... Um, they did his check, and I p- picked up the note, kind of just expecting to read, he passed, and um, they said, hey, he needs to go for a further checkup just on his ears, um, which obviously immediately as, as parents, you're like, oh my gosh, God, like, okay, we need to pray, and I, you know, I didn't think there would be any issues, but what was interesting is I was having this conversation with my mum, and just saying, hey, you know, this is, we need to take him for a further checkup, and she goes, well, based off that new bit of information, what is interesting now to recognize is that he doesn't quite speak clearly. Like he doesn't finish all his words and he doesn't, and so maybe he's struggling to hear and therefore he's struggling to articulate, to speak clearly. Because, and, and, and you know, we're going to take him this week and you can pray for us and we're just trusting God for his total hand of healing. But I've just thought like, this looks cute. He's two years old, sitting in the front row, yeah? He's two years old and... Um, Man, he's just so funny with his words, just like all our kids have been, you know. They'll, instead of saying, yeah, he says, wah. Um, and I just love it. I want to hear it as many times as I can. So I'm like, do you want this burger? Wah. You know, do you want to play outside? Wah. You know, and it's, you know, he's like, daddy, pum, instead of come. And, um, and so we'll take him for a test and we'll trust God. But the thought has been going through my head. You can only speak clearly when you hear clearly. And I thought about the church. And I thought about God wanting to speak through us. And if we don't hear clearly, if we don't listen properly, if there isn't silence in our lives, we're going to be unable to speak clearly the things that God wants. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about the walls of Jericho. It's a story found in Joshua chapter 6. God gives this mandate to Joshua and the troops, and he says, you're going to march around these walls, these high-rise walls of your enemy that you don't, that, you, that in many ways terrorized you and made you afraid 40 years ago. You're going to walk around those walls, but what you're going to do is you're going to be silent for six days. You can imagine for like the troops and the soldiers going, what kind of strategy is this? And for six days they walk around silent, and on the seventh day God says, raise a shout, and the walls come down. And there are many things that happen in those six days, in my assumption. One would be the silence makes sure that there isn't fear and doubt and all sorts of negative words that come out of their mouths. But you know what else happens in those six days, friends? When you can't speak to anyone else, do you know who you end up speaking to? Do you know what happens in silence for six days? You speak to Jesus. You know what else happens in those six days of silence? For the first time, there's space, there's solitude, there's time for God to speak clearly to those troops. And I wonder if God is speaking to us today to go, could you, would you carve out, would you allow me to make you lie down and take you to quiet waters so that I can speak? Because when I speak 
clearly there'll be a conviction on the inside. And when there's a conviction on the inside, by the seventh day, you can shout and those walls will come down. Some of you are looking at walls in your family's lives. Some of you are looking at them in your own personal lives, addiction and areas of sin that you just keep repeatedly battling with. Some of you are looking at your kids who are far from God. Some of you are looking at your businesses or your bank accounts and these walls are high. Some of you are looking at the areas that you know you need to deal with, the pride and the ego and these walls are high. And God says, I don't want you to shout. I don't want you to war. I don't want you to battle. I don't want you to strive. What I'd like you to do, friend, is be silent. I'd like silence and solitude because if you get silent for long enough, I'll speak. And if I speak, something starts to happen on the inside. Church, we need to get loud in these days. You know what the problem is? The church sometimes has the volume turned up, but there's no substance. There's no conviction. There's no authority. We... We sound more like a little chihuahua. You heard a chihuahua? Help me there, next. Honestly, I think sometimes it's like the church of the chihuahua. Because it's our voice. And we think we've had to raise our voice. It's not our voice that needs to be raised, friends. It's His voice. His voice on the inside of us. When we get silent, when we go into solitude, when we say, God, you're the master, I'm your servant, speak. His voice gets on the inside. And then you stand with conviction. And it doesn't matter how high those walls are. It doesn't matter how impossible that diagnosis is. It doesn't matter how dark the world looks. We stand and we go to the Lion of Judah on the inside of me. He roars, and when he roars, walls come tumbling down. Look what Hosea chapter 10 verse 11 says, or 11 verse 10, it says this, for someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion, and when I roar, my people will return trembling. Church, we need to operate in silence and solitude. We need to allow the king of kings, the the good shepherd, to take us and make us lie down so that the roaring lion you ever heard a lion roar? The first time I heard a lion roar, I was with Scotty. We went on a mission trip, and uh, we were camping somewhere. And I tell you what, I thought that lion was right outside. I was like, "It is, it is here. This is it. I'm a missionary, and today I'm dead." <laughs> you heard a lion roar before? You heard what it does on the inside of you? Listen to this lion roar. not our bite, it's not our voice, it's not, it's not even your, it's not your gifts, it's not your abilities, it's not your fancy tricks, it's not your business, it's not your bank account, it's not your skill set, it's not your clever tactics, it is the lion's roar of Judah that needs to come alive on the inside of us. It's, it's got nothing to do with Christian practices or being going to church or calling yourself a Christian or applying some code of conduct. The mandate 
over the church of Jesus Christ is to come alive, and he's made it very clear. He says, the story over you and me is that we are to cast out demons, is that we're to heal the sick, is that we're to raise the dead, is that we're to break off the shackles, is that we're to declare the year of the Lord's freedom, that the captive will be set free. That's not gonna happen because of me, and it's not gonna happen because of you. It's gonna happen because the roar of the lion of Judah. And so if we would get silent, and if we would find solitude, and if we would just apply the practices of Jesus that says he got alone, that he withdrew, that he spent time with his father in prayer, that lion will start to rise on the inside and walls will come down. And you and I will be able to say, like Samuel did, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We're gonna take a moment to stand up and worship God one last time today. And perhaps that's a prayer you need to pray. Why don't you stand up? I'm gonna pray that prayer with you. Why don't you just repeat this after me before we worship together. Just say this. Perhaps you want to stretch out your arms. Perhaps you want to kneel. Perhaps you want to just stay just as you are. Won't you say this after me? Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's pray it one more time. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Come on, let's worship together.
praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah and I know it's not much I've nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing high 